Welcome aboard this thing, Second Sports Podcast. We are so excited to bring you another great episode of coverage of Naval Academy Sports for Naval Academy Sports fans. I am John Schofield. Joining me is special guest from the Annapolis Capital Gazette, Bill Wagner, and our producer, Chris Cervello, class of 99 of the U.S. Naval Academy. Uh, we are bringing this to you here at the end of April. April is turning into May. April, is it? It's April showers bring May flowers. Um, I don't even know why I said that, but here we are. We're bringing you uh, the latest in Naval Academy sports. And, you know, whenever April is turning into May, um, that's usually when you start talking about postseason. Uh, our producer, Chris Cervello, and I came down to North Carolina yesterday, and we were in very scenic Wilson, North Carolina, last night as the Navy women's soccer team took on the Lobos of New Mexico. A fantastic game. Um, you know, I, I don't think Chris and I even anticipated how good of a game it would be, how enjoyable it would be for us to watch the ladies compete in, in, only, in the way that only they can do, which is leaving it out on the field, uh, picking each other up, leading and, and competing in, in the way that the physical mission has, has built them and trained them to do. Um, obviously, the result was disappointing. Uh, Navy went up 1-0 within 30 seconds. Literally, Chris Cervello and I got out of the car. We're walking down to the field. We're about to do an Instagram Live. And Molly Gilchrist slots one home in the top shelf. Uh, and Navy was up 1-0. And you got to give credit to New Mexico. They took that punch in the face and then Navy owned them for the rest of the first half. They came out in the second half kind of reversed the curse. Uh, they had the wind on their side and then scored an extremely questionable equalizer with about 20 minutes left in the second half to make it 1-1. Long story short, uh, it ends 1-1 after the OTs and Navy loses 4-2 on PKs. Uh, I'm going to flip the script a little bit and kick it to Chris Cervello first, where we usually kick it to Wags. But Chris, you know, kind of summarize what you saw with me last night in that game particularly, you know, just how impressive the players and the parents were. It was just so exciting to watch the game uh, for, for lots of reasons. One was that playoff atmosphere that you talked about. Two is, is um, Navy soccer, uh, especially the women um, under Karen's leadership. I mean, they're just, they work so hard. I mean, they, they work the entire field whether it's uh, the captain, um, you know, in the forwards coming back and helping on defense or whether it's the fullbacks coming up and taking shots on goal or, or uh, setting up shots on goal. I mean, th this is one of the hardest working uh, teams that, that you'll ever see. And then, I mean, we got a chance to talk to some of the parents and I mean, you, you realize where these young ladies get um, so much of their, their poise and um, their, just, uh, you know, sportsmanship from, I mean, they really do have a great uh, set of parents and a great set of supporters. It just was very, very heartbreaking. I really, really wanted for them. Uh, I wanted to see them sing second. I thought they played well enough to beat a very good New Mexico team. And as a fan of soccer, I, I just hate to see it. We were talking to Stacey Michaud uh, before we came on the air of the sports information team, and she said it the best. I mean, you just hate to see a game, and in this case, a season, and for the seniors, a career end on PKs 
Um, so, I mean, great to be there, great atmosphere, but uh, not the uh, not the outcome we were hoping for. Very true. And and here's our uh, here's our shout out to uh, Chloe Dawson Klebe, uh right back Chloe Dawson's dad, who we met and talked to a bunch last night. New podcast followers, so thank you very much for your support of the podcast. Also. Talk to Molly Swiger and her parents. You know, again, we can't say enough good things about Molly, and and the fact that she got that call off the bench again to defend PKs. She saved the first one, and then New Mexico kind of figured her out. New Mexico's goalkeeper, who is just a monstrously large, tall, wide individual, she she made you know it, to her credit, she made great saves that that salted the game away for them. So that that was kind of a that was kind of a heartbreaking way to see it go, particularly the way that we won on PKs the week before in the Patriot League Championship. Wags, um, there was a lot more besides women's soccer. I'll kick it over to you for your. I'll kick, I'll kick it over to you for your observations on the women's soccer game and um, and what else you were tracking in Navy sports this past week. Well, I talked to Karen Gabera following the game. Uh, I wrote an article for the paper this morning summarizing. Uh, she said it was a great game, very entertaining, well played. She thought both teams played well. She said she had great respect for New Mexico, so they're very athletic, very quick, well coached, well drilled, uh, you know, in good condition. So she had nothing but respect for New Mexico, and uh, but she's proud of her team. They, they, like you said, they – they didn't play poorly. They played well. They had chances. I think the one that really was the one might have been the one that got away. Uh, Christina D made a great play to to take the ball away from a New Mexico defender, and then she ran it down. The goalie was coming rushing out to try to maybe win a 50-50 ball, and Christina got there and tried to chip it over the goalie, which she did, but it, it went wide. And that that might have that was in overtime, the very first overtime session, and that would have finished it. So that was kind of the tough one. Maddie Gallagher, big game, uh, seven saves, including a penalty kick in uh, in regulation that she had to stop. So great game, great season for the women. You know, with all that's going on to make the NCAA tournament, their Patriot League champions make the NCAA tournament. I think it's a a great result. And you know, when you go to PKs, it's a, it, you never know what's going to happen. It's Kind of a shame to see an important game end that way. Um, obviously, we're going to have Nick Franchuk on from men's lacrosse, but the Army-Navy men's lacrosse game was just fantastic. And what really sticks out to me was the roar of the crowd. I hadn't heard it in over a year. Uh, it was amazing. When Navy scored, there was this massive roar because there was over 5,000 people in the stands. It was just so cool, and there was atmosphere. It felt like Navy lacrosse in the spring again, um, and Navy played great. They really did. As midfielder Joe DeLira scored three goals. Franchuk had a key role by shutting down Army's top attackman, Brendan Nickturn. Spencer Reese, the goalie, made 19 saves. That's career high. Just so many people contributing, and for Navy fans – they should be very, very encouraged because a lot of freshmen played integral roles. Max Hewitt, a midfielder, scored two goals. He was really driving hard to the cage. At one point, he was – Coach Ample said he thought Max Hewitt was the best player on the field at one point. Uh, Jackson Bonnets 
is an amazing defender. That guy's got an incredible stick. At one point, there was a shot and a loose ball in front of the net, and he just vacuumed it. I, I, I could not even believe how he just stabbed that ball out of the air. With he, He's got amazing stick work for a guy carrying a long pole. And, uh, you know, I could go on and on. John Jeros, the big giant attackman from behind the net, scored a goal. Um, there, there, there's the Dane Swanson, a midfielder. He's another freshman. So Navy's got some young guys that are going to carry this program forward. Uh, who knows? We might see one Xavier Arline out there. He was like rated the number six recruit in the entire class of 2020. And uh, if he gets out there playing attack for Navy, it's going to be, you know, awesome to see. So really, really huge win for Navy lacrosse. And uh, Navy women's golf, John. Nadia St. Marie, we got to give a shout out. I didn't see that coming. I remember we had her on the pod and she was disappointed in the team's play in a recent event. And uh, I did not see Navy women's golf win a Patriot League championship. That was darn impressive. I don't know if you have the release available, John, but uh, can you kind of mention some of the players that, uh, stood out for Navy uh, in the Patriot League tournament? Absolutely. And it, it can't be understated. And thanks for bringing it up, Wags. In, in only the program's ninth season, all right, Nadia's ladies captured their first Patriot League championship. They outlasted BU. Um, they fired the Sunday low round of 17 over par um, for an overall uh, score of 305. 17 over par is usually what I shoot on the front nine at Navy. But I'll tell you what. Uh, Angelina Chan, Mara Hurdle, Stephanie Lee, Christine McDonald, they all came up huge. And, and I don't think it can, I mean, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this is one of the more amazing accomplishments of this sports year, that just in the program's ninth year that Nadia got them this Patriot League championship. They did so well. I was played up at Saucon Valley uh, Country Club up in PA. They, they, they did so, so well. And so it, it's, it's really amazing. And Nadia said it very well afterwards. She just said, I'm truly speechless. Um, and so am I, to be honest with you. Um, it's so good. And, and really, they're not the only ones who had an amazing weekend. Um, you know, I'll go over some of the other results. Number one, kind of disappointed for the uh, men's soccer team as well. They dropped a tough one to Army up there at the uh, soccer complex in Chester, PA. But, you know, hey, how about also men's tennis winning the Patriot League finals, beating Army while doing it, winning 4-2? So I'll tell you what, like I said at the beginning, things are turning up and, and you've got spring sports going into, uh, into postseason competition. You had fall sports uh, like women's soccer last night going into postseason competition. So it's an exciting time, um, but so, so proud of Nadia men's tennis. Baseball had an up and down weekend splitting with uh, Holy Cross, but uh, I'll tell you what, it, it's a great time to be a Navy sports fan. And with fans coming back in the stands, the sale of the century took place before the army game. So people could get all geared out in their Navy stuff. Um, you really just feel a, a positivity. Am I, am I right there, Wags, or is it just me? 100% right. And, you know, I, again, I come back to Saturday it was just amazing. I, I come up to the stadium and I'm walking through the parking lot and I see people over there packing in at the sale of the century, buying their Navy gear. And 
the fan, you know, like I said, the massive presence of fans. And I'd be remiss if we did not mention one other thing about the Army Navy men's lacrosse game. At halftime, Mayor Gavin Buckley presented Bill Belichick, the legendary New England Patriots coach and Annapolis native, with the key to the city of Annapolis. And that was really cool. And Coach Belichick was down on the field with Superintendent uh, Sean Buck, with Chuck Gladchuck, the athletic director. It was a really cool ceremony, and uh, the mayor gave him this enormous key, which was kind of fun. Uh, but Belichick was absolutely humbled, honored. I mean, he, he had a smile on his face. He was happy. There was a bunch of his high school teammates that he played lacrosse with at Annapolis High came there. His high school lacrosse coach, Ronnie Wolf, the old legendary grizzled Ronnie Wolf, was there. And uh, Belichick gave him all a big hug. He was so happy to see you. Some of me hadn't seen since, you know, shortly after he left Annapolis years ago. So really cool event. But yeah, you're right, John. It, 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 it's a great time. Things are starting to finally get back to normal. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'll just real quickly add about men's tennis. I'm going to be talking to Andrew Tun, a senior who's one of the top players and coach Chris Garner. But Garner's been getting Navy tennis to the NCAA tournament on a fairly consistent basis. So that, that should be recognized. He's doing a tremendous job with men's tennis. And, you know, obviously a big week coming up. You mentioned next Monday and Tuesday, Patriot League tournaments for women's lacrosse and men's lacrosse. Navy women's lacrosse has to beat Bucknell on Friday, John. They're not in yet. They got to beat Bucknell Friday to qualify. If they beat Bucknell, they'll play at Lehigh in the quarterfinals on Monday. And then Navy men are in. Uh, they are going to Loyola on Tuesday for a quarterfinal. So a lot of good stuff still to come, Johnny. Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell you, uh, being out on the uh, Naval Academy golf course on Friday, Belichick was out there, uh, went and stopped by, took a picture with Pat Owen and the men's golf team. I do have to question, he was wearing like a Chicago White Sox hoodie. So I, I don't know what Belichick's affinity is for the uh, for the Chicago White Sox. But what a, what a great day. What a great day in Annapolis, for sure. Um, I'll tell you what, we're going to go to break. Um, we've got two great interviews lined up for you today. Former Navy football standout quarterback, former NFL participant Keenan Reynolds joins us. And then we're also going to be joined by uh, Navy uh, lacrosse co-captain Nick Franchuk. Um, so stick with us. We're going to go to break. When we come back, you'll be hearing from Keenan Reynolds. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, we are back. Uh, it is time for our alumni segment here on the Sing Second Sports Podcast. We are very happy to be joined by class of 2016 Navy football quarterback Keenan Reynolds. Uh, here we are. This is the pod during the NFL draft. Um, and Keenan has uh, history with the NFL draft, as many of you know. Um, and we have some other players in the program, particularly this year, who are, you know, thinking about, you know, what a pro career would be. And, you know, it, not just football, but across a, a great many sports with the new DOD sports policy 
that allows service academy athletes to try out pro sports. So who better to talk about that uh, than Keenan Reynolds? First of all, Keenan, um, thank you so much for joining us. Catch us up with what you've been doing since you graduated in 2016. Hey, you know, I appreciate that, John. I appreciate that uh, you guys wanted to have me on this week. Man, this was a special week a few years ago for me and uh, a lot of a lot of nerves, a lot of ups and downs. But uh, for the last five years, man, I've been uh, doing a, a myriad of things. Uh, started off, obviously, with the Ravens. Messed around the league a little bit until 2019, where I was with the Seahawks. Uh, got into the XFL, um, which is definitely a unique experience in 2020, right at the start. And obviously, uh, that season got cut short due to the pandemic. And then uh, coming out of the pandemic, got married, uh, have a kid on the way, or had a kid on the way. I now have a three-month-old. a three month old. And, uh, you know, I decided that I wanted to transition out of professional athletics and into uh, something more controllable, I guess you could say, from a time perspective, location perspective, a little more consistency, a little more stability I was looking for. So now I'm uh, working in wealth management at Goldman Sachs. Well, number one, congratulations on the uh, three-month-old. What What's the baby's name? Her name is Rue Navy Reynolds. Oh, very nice. Awesome. Well, hey, so what what's your perspective on the new DOD policy now and the ability for for athletes to, to have an easier route uh, to get to pro athletics as opposed to what you went. I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I think, I think it's great that uh, they have this route where, you know, not just, you know, professional sport, football players, but all sports can really pursue what they want to uh, do and really make that decision to dive head first into um, their, their profession. And I, I think that, uh, making it easier. It just made sense, mainly because it's not something that I don't think you have to worry about where you're going to have a hundred people trying, uh, that are, you know, leaving the Academy and going and playing professional sports. Like it's a very, very small crop of students that have an opportunity to do that. And, you know, I believe for marketing and recruiting purposes, you know, the, the things that they, everybody always says, I just think it's, it's just doing right by your people in my opinion. And when they are, uh, when they're they're gifted like that and have opportunity to represent the Navy on a on a large grand stage, um, you know I think it's great that that uh, the Department of Defense is giving them that opportunity. So Keenan, obviously, um, you and Joe Cardona did serve in in a you know reserve role. Can you talk a little bit about what you did during the time that you were playing pro football? You did have you know, reserve service, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I'm actually still in in the reserves uh, right now. And uh, I was a cryptological warfare officer. So a majority of my time really was spent on like maintaining the training uh, requirement of a, a crypto officer. So like the first offseason um, or the second offseason, um, I went to school in Pensacola for like two months. And then um, following 2019, before I went to the XFL, I went to Fort Meade and got my qualification done um, up there over a span of a month. So normally, I mean, obviously the reserve requirement is the same for everyone. It's, you know, week weekend in a month, two weeks active a year. Um, but, you know, I, I had to do some, some extra work to try to catch up and make sure that I was um, getting qualified in my particular job. I have always maintained that the reason I think this is a great idea for the Navy is because the benefit the, the 
amount of publicity the Navy gets from athletes such as yourself and Joe Cardona is, you know, untold. I mean, Joe Cardona still puts on the uniform all the time and carries the flag for the Navy, even though he's been in pro football, whatever it's been now, six, seven years. Um, you know, that's actually, I was fortunate enough to spend some time with Coach Belichick this past weekend, and he mentioned about how he has Joe Cardona talk to the team on Memorial Day and Veterans Day uh, to let them understand the perspective of a service academy graduate about what service is all about. I probably got more questions when I walked into different buildings about what the academy was like. Um, my nickname at uh, when I was in the Seahawks, one of the strength and conditioning coaches used to always call me Colonel, even though I was far from that. Uh, and I tried to explain what I was, but it just Colonel stuck. So everybody called me that. So it was pretty funny. Um, but everybody always had questions. They wanted to know what it was like. Um, everybody, you know, really respected the uniform. And, you know, when we had those special holidays, they always thought about it. And, you know, for me, I was just always like, listen, I, I got guys that are, they were good friends of mine that are currently at harm's way. I was like, I, I uh, defer any and all thank yous to them because of what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it's just, it means a lot to me. So, you know, I think uh, the benefits certainly do outweigh uh, any potential downside um, that you may have. Just, just because, like I said, I mean, you're only looking at a handful of people maybe every other year, if that. You know, it's very, very small. And there's still there's ways that you can bring honor and serve um, in that in that capacity, in my opinion. Our most recent NFL prospect is Malcolm Perry. I know that Malcolm looked up to you. I know that you uh, you know served as a mentor for him when he was making the transition from option quarterback to uh, pro receiver like you did. Uh, I presume you talked to him quite a bit and gave him a little bit of advice, Keenan. Um, you know, we actually had a couple of sessions uh, where I was kind of working with him. We were training. I was really more – I wasn't training, but he was training. And, uh, you know, I was just trying to help him bypass all the mistakes that I made uh, my first year or two out. Um, really just like, hey, if I go back and do it differently, this is what I would do differently. And uh, really, really awesome to see him make the team and contribute the way he did and, and really have an opportunity to – to like to be a a, a main uh, you know weapon on that offense this year, I, I think it's awesome. I think obviously, like you said, when you think of Malcolm Perry, people hear that name, they're like, oh, that guy, that's a guy from the Navy. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's just automatically tied with him. And then when he does well on the field, it just gets more and more uh, uh, marketing and exposure for the military and for the Naval Academy. It makes young kids think about more than you know sports, in my opinion. Because even though he's playing professional ball, I mean, he still went to a top tier school. He still, you know, is serving his country, you know, has that or has a capacity to serve his country. So um, I think it just shows just it's a different route. You know, it's a route that you can go and you can get an education. You can secure your, a job. And, and there's no pre like if you don't make it to the NFL, there's so many young kids that that don't make it. And they like, well, what do I do? But you don't have that problem when you go to Naval Academy because if you don't make it, um, you got a, a great job, a career ahead of you. So lastly, before I let you go, um, can you talk about some of the great moments for you during your pro career? I was there in the preseason at M&T Bank Stadium when you had that awesome 
punt return that you broke for like 50, 60 yards. Um, you caught a touchdown pass for Seattle uh, Dragons was, correct? Seattle Dragons? Yeah. Yep. You caught a touchdown pass in the XFL in a regular season game. If you could uh, maybe, what were some of the, you know, a handful of highlights that really stick out in your mind when you look back upon your pro career? You know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, as, it's not as vibrant as the time I had at the Naval Academy plan. Um, definitely struggled a little bit, but I think for me, really the big highlight is just being able to say I accomplished something that I've always dreamed of doing, you know, ever since I put a helmet on or, you know, even thought about putting a helmet on. I wanted to be in the NFL, let on TV and stuff. And so I was able to do that. I mean, it didn't look like the way I, I, I had wrote it up or the way I planned it, but uh, I feel like that's something that 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 can't be taken away. So, I, I mean, you you kind of named a couple of the highlights that I have, really the only main big highlights that I had. But, um, you know, just being a part of that was co was cool to me. So, Keenan, last questions from me. Uh, first of all, here we are. We're in the spring. Um, and we've chronicled on this podcast a great many times what Navy lost last year with the onset of COVID, no spring practice last year, no real ability to get some cohesion with the unit uh, before they took on BYU in the first game of the year. And we kind of saw how the season went from there. From your estimation, from your plebe year to when you were a senior, how important was spring ball to your improvement? Um, and, and, you know, how, how do you think that it might help this year's team that they've been able to go through spring ball uh, in advance of a pretty challenging schedule that starts off with Marshall and then Air Force back to back mm. uh, out of COVID? You know, I think it's huge. The thing about spring that's important is it gives you an opportunity to really work on the details of your craft without the pressure of, you know, preparing for a game every on Saturday or the, the pressure of we have to get ready for game one in fall camp. You know, every other time of the year when you're practicing, you're prepping for, for a game. Like there's a, a, an immediate challenge, you know, awaiting you at the end of whatever session you're in. So, there's, you know, four, five, six weeks in spring that you get to practice, you get to really get back to the basics, blocking, tackling, running, catching, throwing, you know, really focus on the details and get better. I think that's when you make the, the largest leaps. Um, you become more comfortable. The young guys, the freshmen, become more comfortable in the system. Um, they start taking on, you know, more active roles. I think you you add all those things up. I 100% I believe there will be a, a, a big jump of improvement in this year's team just based off of the crazy scenario and situation they were thrust into last year. Um, I've seen videos of them, their full contact, quarterbacks getting hit, which doesn't happen often. I, I never got hit, fortunately. Appreciate Coach not, not putting me on to that. But, uh, you know, I think it's just, like I said, starting back to the basics, getting back to, to what makes Navy football Navy football. I think we're going to see a great team this year for sure. All right. So last question. Yeah, let's assume that your wealth management career with uh, Goldman Sachs goes really well. All of a sudden you're running a team. Uh, you've got your, you know, you've got your run of, of players who you can select in this year's draft, excluding – Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, is, is the hands-on favorite to be Urban Meyer's number one pick. Beyond that, you know, as, as a former quarterback and a former wide receiver, the draft is loaded with QBs and wide receivers. Yeah, Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddell, Zach Wilson. 
uh, you know, guys that, that maybe saw a couple of, of guys who are going to get drafted day one uh, when they played last year. So for you, if you're a GM and, and with your you know, wide receiver and quarterback acumen, who, who is the who is the guy in this year's draft? Um, that's a great question. You know, I've been kind of following uh, the, the news and kind of seeing the talk at, at number three. Everybody has locked in Trevor Lawrence and exactly Wilson to go one, two. And everybody's like thinking about number three. Um, I think the thing about the draft is people tend to have too much time on them on their hands to overthink very simple things. At the end of the day, the tape doesn't lie. The stats don't lie. The, the, the off the field, that stuff doesn't lie. And I think so, all too often top teams talk themselves into the right decision, if that makes sense. So they, they want something to be true. So they find any and every reason to confirm their, their own independent biases. And instead of looking at things from a purely objective point of view, who's the best player statistically, who has the best upside statistically based on what we've seen, based on what our scouts have seen, so people tend to get a little ego uh, involved and, you know, try to prove, you know, want to be right, want everything to do that they can to be right. So having said all that, I mean, I think there are a lot of interesting prospects. I think Zach Wilson is interesting because I called a game of his in 2019 and I believe he got hurt that game, but I wasn't like blown away like this guy is Aaron Rodgers when I watched the game. You know, he made some plays, but it was it just looked like a another mid-level quarterback, if I'm being honest. And, you know, I, I question, again, I'm no evaluator of talent, but I question how does his improvement, how much of it is based on true improvement and how much of it is based on circumstances of 2020? I think that's something interesting story to think about. And then I also think about uh, Justin Fields and what he's been able to do and I think he's really more of a, a victim of the bias of Ohio State quarterbacks because nobody can name an Ohio State quarterback that's been successful in the NFL. So they're like, what makes it any different? So I think it's a lot of interesting things. Me personally, if I'm picking, if I need a QB, I'm going with Justin Fields. And if I need a receiver, I'm going with Jamar Chase. Um, and that's just what it is. Jamar Chase gives me Odell Beckham vibes, same size, same speed. Um, I think Jamar might be a little bit bigger than him. So you know, those are probably my top two offensive weapons uh, that I would pick if I'm a GM. We want to thank Keenan Reynolds, Navy all-time great record holder, retired jersey, for being with us on the Sing Second Sports podcast. Keenan, great to see you. Good luck with your uh, future business endeavors, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you soon. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys having me. Take All care. right, Keenan. You're the best, baby. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner. Of the All right, United hey, hey, Capitol. we're back. Um, if you like what you hear, very happy to be hit like below by Nick and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter of the at We Sing Second and honored in the past week second. with Patriot League Men's now Lacrosse recognition as Defensive Player of the Week, along with his teammate Spencer Reese. This is the second time this season Franchuk has received this weekly citation by the league office. An incredible uh, week of performance holding Brandon Nickturn, uh, who is a Tuarton uh, award nominee, to just three shots. 
uh, while being forced into a trio of turnovers. A defensive stalwart, a senior, and very happy to be joined by him uh, today during class. You know, understand you have a lot going on and the semester is wrapping up. Nick, thank you for joining us. How's everything going? Everything's going great. Happy to be here. So walk us through, you know, your, your season so far. You're a captain. You've had to deal with the ROM. You've had to deal with a break in play. You've had to deal with the uncertainty of possibly not making the Patriot League tournament. Should it have stayed in the, um, in the order that it was with just two teams from each, um, from each bracket going up? So now three teams get in. You're in. You've got to face Loyola again. Walk me through what it's been like, not only as a competitor, but as a leader and the co-captain to go through this very, very unique season. Yeah, absolutely. I think as a team, we've been incredibly dedicated to the process of doing things and the way we conduct business. So our team's mission is love each other, love the process and overachieve. And after we lost to Lehigh, Coach Ample brought us together and essentially mentioned how there is no doubt in the team's mind that we love each other and that we love the process. Uh, all the guys have worked tremendously hard. Even during that ROM period, guys are outside shooting every day, running, staying in shape, keeping their sticks in their hands. And then we just hit the ground running coming out of that. And I think because we kept we, we never had any doubts and we just kept trusting in the process of doing things. I think it, even in the middle of the army game, I was watching all the offensive guys just hammer their shots. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a result of all the work they do. I think three times a week they go to shooters club. So they take time out of their lunch schedule to go into the field and get ex extra shots. And, and I'm mentioning all that because the last part of our mission overachieve um, we had to, pretty good wins that came with Loyola and Army. And um, I think it's just kind of like the fruit of that mission and the fruit of that hard work kind of coming together. So it's really credit to the guys just for sticking to the process and being relentless, trying to get better. So last one for me, before I kick it over to Wags, what was it like for you as a firstie to beat Army? You know, it, it, that's, mm -hmm. that's the game. That is the target every mm -hmm. year for every sport. You know, beat Army, sing second, get the star. Number one, what, what was it like for you to, to finish off your career, a career that we hope will stretch into Memorial Day weekend, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but what was it like for you to end your career against Army with a W? And then walk me through, are, is there any disappointment in the fact that, you know, because of COVID, and, you know, the great rivalry with the Maryland Terrapins, uh, you know, has been kind of put on a pause that you, you just got to play, um, you know, up to this point, um, you know, the Patriot League uh, uh, competition, in addition to like playing the mountain Jacksonville in, in exhibitions or at the beginning of the season, what, what was that like for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think first, just on behalf of the army, win, it's obviously a great feeling you uh, army Navy game, all the alumni are there. There's a big student presence. There's a lot of emotion that goes into it. So that was really good. That was, at least regular season-wise, that was our, the seniors last time playing on Navy Marine Corps field. So there's obviously a special connection with it there. And it, it was just a good feeling for the seniors. Last time we played Army on Navy Marine Corps, we obviously lost in overtime. So, yeah, that one definitely felt really good. I think 
as much as we enjoyed the win, we know we, everyone knows in the back of their mind, well, really the front of their mind, we still have more that we want to accomplish. So um, we enjoyed the win and, but now obviously we're back to work. Um, And then on behalf of not playing Maryland this year uh, in the COVID and whatnot and those things, I think it's frustrating. We obviously want to play the best and Maryland's a really renowned program. They're really good. Um, but I think if we keep doing the things we need to do, we're going to find ourselves in a position to play those teams and have that shot on a uh, bigger stage, which I think is something we're all looking forward to. I think it would be nice if you, uh, if you mm-hmm. met up with John Tillman's Terps there in Absolutely. the NCAA tournament. So let's get there and get it done. Absolutely. Wags, go ahead. Hey, Nick, good to see you. So uh, you get the assignment on Brendan Nickturn, who is a great player. And in my mind, he's kind of the guy that, that makes the, the Army offense go because he can create for himself and for others. Can you talk about that challenge? And, I mean, it's tough. I mean, Nickturn's a guy that scores on a lot of good defensemen. And, you know, he, he, he was averaging a high number of points individually. Can you talk about that assignment? Uh, yes. So, first – piece is we had Tommy Havivian, a plebe on the team, uh, being the scout guys, Brendan Nickturn this week. And I can't even, I can't do it justice saying the amazing job he did. He probably dodged 20 to anywhere from 20 to 40 times that week, uh, against myself, Jackson Bonnets, a number of defensemen. He just did a fantastic job scouting him throughout the week. Um, so he played, I I just think he played an instrumental role in the preparation. And then I I think the reality is the defensive game plan that Orson set up and the guys playing in front of the net, covering a lot of their shooters, uh, you know, they made my job honestly easy. And I, I, I mean that in like a humble way, Brendan's a great player. I'm saying I, had the full ability to trust all those guys. They um, stayed on all their shooters and that significantly limited his ability to make feeds and for army to score goals. So it, it, I think with the way Tommy Havivian practiced last week and the role he executed for us, um, we have a great, we had great guys, uh, everyone doing their job on top of the cage. Spencer obviously made some tremendous saves and then Coach Orson's game plan. So it was, it was a team effort. I think everyone just did their job. Everyone executed exactly what they needed to execute um, on game day. So uh, it was interesting because the seniors really came up big. You you covered Nick Dern. Spencer Reese had a career high nineteen saves. And then how about Joey D? Joe Delira. I mean, he hadn't scored a goal this season. You know, Coach Amplo had mentioned that he had had a reduced role, but then he, he practiced so darn well that they just had to elevate him in the midfield rotation. And, you know, I, I just keep coming back to this coach Amplo told me for the senior feature, I wrote that Joe D is going to score a goal in one of these big games down the stretch and his teammates are going to go crazy because they're going to be so happy for him. And my God, the guy goes out and scored three goals. He looked like a all American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Joe is just a guy who uh, brings it every single day to practice. Um, easily one of the hardest workers on the team. He's uh, 
someone who's always there to pick up guys and give the team juice when it's needed. And Joe worked his way onto the second line and he, he had a big day on Saturday. I think the whole team was super excited for him. And I think uh, Joe's a really great leadership presence in the midfield. He plays super confident. He dodges super hard. And yeah, we're, I think we're honestly all just excited to see him kind of keep taking off uh, kind of as we play Lafayette this weekend. And then we go start playing in May. So I know where you were coming from when you were talking about the achievement, because after the Loyola game, that's what Christian said. You know, we talked about these, you know, missions that we were on. And the, the one thing that had been lacking was the achievement, getting a really big win. And that Loyola game kind of was finally some fruits of your labors, as you mentioned. But um, in terms of you've beaten now Loyola, which has been the dominant team in the Patriot League, and you took out Army, which is a ranked team. I would imagine the confidence is, you know, off the charts right now, and you've got to feel that you could win the Patriot League tournament. Yeah, absolutely. The Yeah, we're, all the guys are uh, – there's a ton of energy at practice. There has been since, I think, uh, that Loyola – the second time we played Loyola that week. Um, I also think that – Coach Ample is doing a really good job keeping us all humble. Um, we still have a lot of work to do and a lot of progress to make as a team. But undoubtedly, those two uh, wins, um, they're big, I think, just for all the guys on the team. Uh, big confidence booster. Um, we're ready to play with those top 15 teams. I think we have been for a while, and that just uh, validated that we're, we're a team that's going to beat those guys. Well, I'll read the note that Stacy from Sports Information just posted. First time Navy has beaten back-to-back -back, uh, in consecutive weeks top 15 teams since 2005. So that just goes to show you the level of accomplishment in 2005 is a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Last for me, before I throw it back to John to close this out, you know, I heard from a lot of alums and Navy lacrosse fans after the game. They were very excited about the performance. And, you know, almost every one of them said, the Zamplo guy's getting it done. And I've known Joe was the right man for the job pretty much since I met him and saw the passion he has and the commitment and how much he cares. I mean, the guy made it his mission to learn everything he could about the Naval Academy so he could be the right coach. Um, and obviously he's got a great staff, John Orson, as you mentioned, defensive coordinator, Brad Ross, offensive coordinator. I mean, these guys are great coaches. Uh, can you just talk about your coaching staff? And as you leave as a senior You've got to feel that the program's in good hands. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I think we, the seniors, definitely, I would say we have a kind of a, every class has a really strong connection with Coach Ample and the rest of the coaching staff. I just think us as the seniors maybe have a particularly close connection because we were juniors when the new staff came in and Coach really brought in his, really started working with the culture and building the culture that we wanted the program to take on. And um, I just think that process helped us grow really close. So there will always be, a, in, in my mind, a very significant connection there. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, the coaches, uh, they put us in, they come out with the game plan every week and put us in the position uh, to succeed. And then they do everything they can for us to execute our roles um, and I think every player on this team has 
the entire trust in the game plan the coaches develop. And um, yeah, I mean, we, we love playing for each and every one of them. We, I can't say enough on how much uh, and how much just we admire the coaching staff, their role models to all of us. Um, their leadership styles are influential to all of us. And yeah, I can't say enough on, uh, on just how much appreciation the team has for them and what they do for us. Um, I just was going to ask, following up on John's question about Army and, and Wags talking about, you know, kind of looking forward, how do you avoid a letdown this week? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it starts with just maintaining the level of intensity that we've had in practice all week, maintaining a level of focus and continuing to have fun every day at practice. The guys love going out to the field and um, that's important. And then the intensity that you bring, Last week before we played Army, the coaches just talked about how you don't really just step on the field on Saturday against Army and, and automatically flip a switch and you're super intense and focused. It's something that you build and foster every day on the practice field. And I think just continuing to grow that um, level of focus and intensity. Um, and, and I also think that regardless of who we play, our, our level of preparation and our focus shouldn't change um, wh whoever we're playing, whether it's Maryland, like we talked about before, or Lafayette, it doesn't really uh, matter. What matters is the way we prepare, the way we focus, and how we execute game plan on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone is juiced up to play on Saturday, and that's, that's how it is on this team. So, Well, hey, good luck as you navigate finals. Good luck this coming Saturday uh, and in the Patriot League tournament. We look forward to uh, cheering you on and being there. Um, the Sing Second sports team has now shown that we can play road games. You know, we came down here to North Carolina to cheer on the, uh, the women's soccer team. So it's certainly in our, I don't know if I'm going to Easton, but I'll go to Baltimore. Um, <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Nick Franchuk, the co-captain of the meeting men's lacrosse team. We are going to go to break. When we come back, Chris Wags and I will bring us out. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield. Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, we are back. Um, what great conversations um, with Keenan with um, Nick Franchuk, uh, really excited about, about the future. Wags talked about it in the intro, uh, very excited about this coming week, uh, particularly with women's lacrosse, holding their, um, holding their future in their hands, playing Bucknell 6 p.m. Um, on Friday at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. I certainly hope to be there with Wags and Ward uh, to bring you that. In between, baseball plays Coppin State on Wednesday, Women's tennis starts the Patriot League tournament on Thursday. And then a pretty big, pretty big weekend for everyone else. Friday starts the Patriot League outdoor championships for men's and women's track and field being run up in West Point, New York. Uh, women's tennis in the Patriot League quarterfinals Friday and Saturday. And then as we talked about with Nick Franchuk, men's lacrosse against Lafayette. Um, and, you know, in a tricky game that they don't want to look past, uh, you know, with, with Loyola waiting on the horizon of the Patriot League tournament. But, you know, Wags, I'll finish it off like this. I had asked Keenan uh, during our um, 
during our interview with him, you know, what, where he would go, what, what he would build his NFL team around, like which players appealed to him. You know, I am a huge NFL draft fan. I don't know why I'm not an NBA draft fan. I'm not an MLB draft fan. You know, although I was two years ago when Noah song was drafted, but I've, I've always loved the NFL draft. And I always have this thought in my mind that somewhere in the seventh round, um, that, that you're going to hear a Naval Academy football player's name get called. Now, you and I have talked at length about how in the future we think Diego Fago is going to be uh, going to have his name called, maybe not even the seventh round. It could be a lot, lot earlier. But you wrote a great story uh, this week about who's coming behind Diego Fago in the form of Chase Harbor. You know, number one, what what do you think might happen with Naval Academy football players who have those NFL aspirations? They might not hear their name called on draft night, but they might try to latch on as a uh, undrafted free agent. And then tell us a little bit more about how bright the future is, particularly at the linebacker spot for Navy football. Well, yeah, John, um, I'm not as quite as excited about the NFL draft this year as I was last year when I was anticipating Malcolm Perry being drafted. And when his name popped up, as a selection of the Miami Dolphins, I, I, I cheered. I was so psyched for him. And it was reminded me of when I sat there watching and hoping for Keenan to get drafted. And so uh, I don't think there's going to be a Navy player drafted this year. I, I don't think that Navy has that caliber of a prospect. Uh, by all accounts, Peter Nestrowitz, the uh, offensive lineman, is the best prospect. And I think the best Peter can hope for is to maybe get uh, – free agent invitation into a training camp. Um, I hope that happens for him. But, uh, you know, uh, Diego Fago is going to get drafted. Uh, I, I, I'm no NFL scout, but I know a player when I see him. And Diego Fago has been getting it done for four years, and he gets better and better, and he's got all the tools. He's He's got the size, speed, instincts, everything you look for, in a middle linebacker, an inside linebacker. So I have no doubt Diego Fago is going to get drafted in 2022. And then we talked about, you know, that that's going to be a huge void when he departs Navy. And and this guy, Will Harbor, who has earned the Admiral Mack Award as the most improved player during spring practice, he looks the part, baby. I mean, he is six foot two, 225 pounds, and everything that Coach P.J. Volker, the inside linebackers coach, said about Harbor was encouraging. So, and, you know, he sees the number two spot. He's the backup now at that Mike linebacker position behind Diego, and he can spend a whole year as the understudy learning how to get it done from the master. So very, very excited about Will Harbor. I enjoyed writing that article. Real nice kid. We did a Zoom interview with him. Real, real humble, nice kid. Um, this week, John, I, I hate to, re I regret to tell you, I will not be with you at Navy Bucknell Women's Lacrosse. And by the way, um, I forgot to tell you that you will be serving as special correspondent for the Capitol. I'm going to need 600 words filed by uh, about 830, if you please. Um, on Friday night, I'm going to be at Brigade Boxing. Uh, at long last, two months late, they're going to have the Brigade Boxing Championships. It is a Naval Academy tradition. I think it's one of the greatest things I cover every year. And uh, I was I was getting worried it wasn't going to happen. It was normally held the last Friday night in February because the midshipmen came back to the academy late for second semester and then immediately quarantined for two weeks. 
Jim McNally, the boxing coach, knew he'd have to postpone. There was no way they'd be ready for the last Friday in February. So he pushed it back to March 19th. Then the Academy went into the month long ROM and uh, that pushed it back even further. And he was almost getting ready to, he, he was worried the leadership was going to say, sorry, we can't do a brigade boxing championships this year, but they are doing it this Friday night in alumni hall. Midshipmen only are allowed, but I'm sure there'll be a huge contingent. And, uh, there's two, boxers going for four-time championships. A very, very rare accomplishment to be a four-time brigade champ. I believe the news release said there's only 20 total. Uh, if they accomplish it, they get the Tony Rubino Memorial Award for a four-time champ. On the men's side, it's Kendall Lewis, a South Paul who's very slick, very, very good technical fighter. And on the women's side, Jeanette Stearman. And uh, Jeanette would be only the second female four-time champ following Sophie Likas, who became the first last year. So very excited about the gay boxing. It won't be the same without all the townspeople there. The, uh, the guys from the Annapolitan Club like to dress up in their tuxedos and sit ringside. And uh, McNally usually fleeces them for a good amount of money to help support Navy boxing. So I know McNally's not happy that those, those Annapolitan guys can't pay their way into ringside seats. But John, I know you love brigade boxing. You've been there a few times, haven't you? I, I like to call it kind of the most deranged Mardi Gras parade ever. When you see all the old dudes in their tuxedos, like walking from the Annapolitan club right there behind Ram's head. Um, and the uh, uh, right there in, in Annapolis up there by church circle and they start coming in and they're all smoking cigars on the walk. And then they get into alumni hall and they act like they own the place. So I will expect you to be in your, uh, in your tuxedo representing. Um, it, it is, it is a great event. And, and like I said, you know, commissioning week coming back, um, you, you've got, you, you've got spring, you know, the, the, the warmer weather and, and just, just the optimism that's out there, you know, and, and I'd be remiss, Chris and Chris Cervello and I were talking about this yesterday. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't make note that the annual croquet matches, although it didn't take place in the standard routine where everyone's dressed up out on the field of St. John's to watch the croquet match, that, that the midshipmen, as they always do, they found a way. So uh, in our next podcast next week, we will endeavor to bring you uh, one of the young motivated individuals from 13th Company. I think it's 13th Company uh, who does the croquet match every year um, to get an idea of what that was like. And we certainly hope um, to talk to a new round of Patriot League champions based on how this weekend goes. So I'll tell you what, what a great pod. Thank you so much to Keenan Reynolds. Thank you to Nick Franchuk. Thank you to the Naval Academy Sports Information Department. Uh, thank you so much to Navy Women's Soccer for giving us so much to cheer for last night. Go get them next year. We know the future is bright. For Bill Wagner, for Chris Cervello, I am John Schofield. Until next week, we are Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segments.